0: Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Lacrosse Talk podcast. Firstly, thank you to everyone who has listened and subscribed to episode one, and thanks to everybody who left feedbacks and comments for future episodes. We really appreciate your engagement with this new venture and hopefully it can be a success going forward. So episode two coming up looks ahead firstly to the School Challenge Cup taking place in Aldershot this weekend on Saturday the 23rd of November. The Challenge Cup features the top eight girls' schools from across the country in a knockout style competition across 40-minute matches crowning the final Challenge Cup winner at the end of the day and part two of this episode highlights Stonewall's upcoming Rainbow Laces campaign. The School Challenge Cup teams taking part this Saturday will be supporting the Rainbow Laces campaign and we chat about the aims and the message behind Stonewall's Come Out Active campaign in support of LGBT equality in sport. And we're joined now by Asha Riley from uh, Berkham School. Hi Asha, how are you? Hi there.
1: Yeah, good, thank you. How are you?
0: Yeah, all good here. So the uh, School Challenge Cup coming up on Saturday. How are you uh, looking forward to it?
1: Uh, We're really looking forward to it here. I think being a new tournament last year... We didn't really know what to expect, and we had an amazing day. The fact that it was that it was actually the first opportunity in England for the school level to play a tennis side tournament, and it's full forty-minute games, so it is relentless as well. And it really gave us a chance to get hold of the new rules and really try them out with the help of the three umpires three officials that would be on each of the pitches was really really helpful Mm -hmm. as a coach to see that see how the tennis side game would unfold at school level and whether the girls would be able to cope and because of the length of the games and the nature of the tournament with the top teams it was it was clear that it was going to be a really positive introduction of tennis side rules Um, and it created an amazing day of lacrosse that we were thrilled to be a part of
0: and the girls did perform and did come out winners in the end. So that was um, a real nice moment for the um, team. And it and as you say, it was sort of it was a bit new for everybody. But it sort of would you say it sort of helped the girls find their feet and helped the girls sort of perform and get into that sort of new version of the game?
1: Yeah, I think it was it was brilliant in so many ways. Obviously, it's great to come out having won the tournament. But even so. I would have found it a really helpful tournament at that stage in the season. Obviously, we build and build and and we don't play Nationals until March, which is a really long time to play, to wait until you play on the big stage. And I think the Challenge Cup is a really good introduction of a tournament that actually allows us to apply some real pressure um, to the girls and, and see how they fare against the other top schools you know, and then you've just got time to work on it, and with it, with enough time to be ready for nationals come the end of the season. So I think the timing of this tournament and the nature of it as well has been really, really helpful.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of that sort of uh, jeopardy. You know, the format's more a bit of a knockout. It sort of doesn't allow for a couple of games to get used to things. It sort of throws you right into it, and um, like you say, yeah, you know, really sort of gets them used to that sort of high-level play straight away.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, absolutely brutal because they are they are long games. They're not like tournament games. So as a positive side, you've really got time to, you know, feel your way into the games, although everybody's out to win it. So, you know, it's high pressure from the start. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as as it's a knockout as well, every single game matters. And, you know, the message throughout the day has to be, you know, we need to do things consistently well, because otherwise teams are going to unpick us. Because of the length of the games and because of the nature of the knockout, you can't afford to be complacent um, for one second. Especially because you're up against the top eight teams in the country. So, I think it creates a really good training environment and puts the girls under a lot of pressure, which is always good.
0: How have you found sort of trying to get to grips with the sort of the uh, new rules, tennis side, new rules around the draw, those sort of things? Has it been a an easy process, a difficult process for players and I suppose as coaches as well? I think
1: a player for, for the, of the 12-a-side game and, and not having done an, a large amount at the tennis a side game. The last two years has been a massive learning curve for me in terms of how I would coach it because I never actually played with the tennis a side rules at a high level. So that has been a real challenge for me personally but actually introducing it to the girls hasn't been because, you know, they are, they are keen to learn and they want to be playing the game that lacrosse is across the world right now and and that involves the tennis side game so they you know the the introduction the way that we introduced it at school we were really careful about you know making it a really positive thing really highlighting how this changes the game and how it benefits the game and therefore when we made those changes and and we rolled it out across every year group straight away the girls you know they understood and they got on board with it and have been really positive about it as well so I mean, there's a few things that still are, you know, you sort of nodding your head when the girls aren't self-starting,
0: <laughs> blowing yeah. the whistle.
1: But you know, they do, they do pick up on, they do pick up on it very quickly. I think the draw has been much better, much cleaner, and actually safer as well, because you haven't got eight, nine sticks going in for a ground ball.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, and I just think it, it cleans up the game um, a little bit there. So. I think there's some, been some real positives in the game. I know there's some concern from a number of schools about how, if you've got 10 on the field but you still want a squad of 18, how do you manage that? And, and how people would be feeling that they're not getting as much game time. And I, and I think, again, that you, know, you need to do a bit of work on how you educate people about the game. Obviously, it's faster. It requires you to be fitter and to give more on the pitch for a shorter period of time.
0: Yeah. I think that's exactly right. That sort of, you know, this is essentially like you say, it sort of moves a bit faster and it's like, right, well, instead of you playing, you know, eighty percent of this game, you're only gonna play sixty percent, but you need to give that same amount of energy in that shorter in that sort of shorter time frame.
1: Yeah, and that is a real challenge for girls, especially those girls that have had, you know, they've had all that time on the pitch beforehand, to then be told, Oh, actually, you know, you're you're gonna be on quite a large subbing rotation and I think that's where we need to be really clear as coaches as to why we are on those larger subbing rotations and Mm -hmm. you know how you can benefit the team when you're on the field. I mean throughout the season we play an even subbing rotation anyway so all of the girls in my squad of 18 will play on fairly even rotations and you know I think it just allows them to really focus on what they're going to do when they're on that, when they're on that pitch for that short amount of time, and how they're going to make a difference. And you know, we have had to do quite a lot of work on what do you do when you're off the pitch, where you're you're learning about what's going on on the pitch, so that next time you're on, you are taking new information on, or you're taking a change in the game on. And I think selling it like that, if you're not on physically, you are off mentally preparing for the next time you're on physically. And that way, you know, you're never out the game you're always in it and you're always contributing and I think that's really important to highlight as a coach changing to these tennis side rules but maintaining squads of 18.
0: I think that's great I think like you say it's it's not about you're off switch off it's you're off watch who watch the player that you'll be up against playing take some time out to have a look at where you can make a difference and affect it when you get your time on the pitch and I think that's you know that's a really good message to mm. to sort of pass through on to the girls. After obviously after winning the Challenge Cup last year you then eventually as you say, got to that back end of the season you had a lot of time to wait and prepare and get ready for it but then managed to pull off the same at the nationals in in March with the uh, first winning the main tournament. Yeah that
1: was a that was a real highlight I think in terms of national schools it It is the biggest tournament out there and no stage during the season was i thinking that we would come away with with both not not that i didn't think i had the players but you certainly can't be complacent in thinking oh well we'll definitely you know we won that so we'll definitely take nationals there are so many great lacrosse playing schools out there and you know we win and we lose our friendlies so there was no guarantee that we were going to turn up on you know, it's a really physical two days for the girls in the first and seconds. You know, they've got two days of really hard competition. So you know, thinking, thinking back with,
0: to that march, that was a brutal, a, um, a brutal couple of days with the uh, weather, wind conditions, and I'm sure the, you know, the sort of the tiredness and the legs towards the end. I'm sure yeah, they are probably feeling it. it.
1: Absolutely, it was so clear, and and everybody wants it so bad. I mean, that that weekend there was awful weather we we were battling with tents and they were flying across the the pitches so you know that is really difficult and I think when there's a an external element there that you can't control you have to change the way that you approach that situation so you know I'd I'd seen that the weather was going to be awful and made sure on that Sunday that I turned up and you know reinforced how well we can play in those conditions and you know just getting that level of belief even though the conditions are terrible that you know they they work in our favor really, really did help us throughout the weekend and you know they, it was it was certainly not any stage of that competition. It wasn't ever sort of in our pocket. We, we, we really ground it out and we nearly got knocked out by Caterham in the semis and they gave us a really great game. So I think in the end, it, it just came down to, we'd rotated our squad evenly throughout the first day of the competition. And so we had probably slightly less tired legs than some of the other teams. And I think just that sheer level of belief Within the players and and also our supporters as well that we could do it and I think that that really you know that was really why it was our our tournament last year I think
0: moving into that little stadium for the um, uh, last four that sort of especially in that final there was quite an atmosphere and the supporters were you know really <laughs> shouting and giving it from the sidelines and I think yeah um,
1: and that's what it's all that, about you know get I, a real I nice atmosphere.
0: Brilliant. I mean
1: I look at it as an ex player and I think how great for these girls to experience that level of support at this age, you know. Like even for some of my international games when I was a player, you know, we wouldn't have crowds as big as that or, you know, cheering as loudly as that. So I think it's a great experience for the girls and also brings out, you know, some incredible across that final Guildford was it was brilliant play and, and the semi with Caterham, you know, it was, it was awesome and the fact that we got to move on to those pitches in the stadium that were, you know, slightly fresher and had the real air of, you know, this is a final or this is the sort of business end of the competition. I think that's really special, you know, as a coach to watch your team going out and playing in such a professional environment, but also for the players themselves, you know, they might not get that again and, and they've had that experience at school level. So I think that's, that's really awesome.
0: As I say, yeah, I think it was a, you know, a really lovely environment to finish it off in, obviously, for some of the girls who, you know, it would have been there, maybe their last year in the team, that was their sort of, their big uh, moment. How are you uh, shaping up this year? Have you had many players finish their time with you and move through? And have you got a few new players coming through this year?
1: Um... I don't know if that's secret information. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. We, we didn't actually lose that many players last year. I am utterly blessed with the the commitment of the girls that I've got and the talent that we've got that has been bred from years and years of coaching at the school. So I think we sit in a, a, a good position and we're still working really hard. We wouldn't, we wouldn't sort of step off for a moment. So I think, yeah, we've got the makings of, you know, putting on a really good show. And I think it's going to be about whether we uh, we manage to maintain our, you know, all the other things that go into a great performance. So, you know, all the training and consistency and getting our mindset right, um, making sure we're cohesive and, and that we're not really, you know, we're not really distracted by the end goal, that we're actually focusing on the process. That's a huge thing for me and something that I I try to instill in the girls so that they don't get, you know, distracted or carried away with, you know, the what ifs, let's deal with what we can deal with now. So we've had some good fixtures so far this season and we've got plenty more to come. So it it will be difficult to say what we'll look like in March, but I'm certainly looking at the Challenge Cup next weekend as a really good opportunity to have a look at how we fare against some of the other top competition there. And also use it as a platform to develop ourselves and, and take something away from that weekend. Whether we win or lose, we will learn and we will develop and we will grow. So I'm really looking forward to it and I hope it's a
0: good tournament. We've worked to team up with Stonewall for the tournament. so we as part of their uh, rainbow laces day campaign we're getting the girls involved bringing down some laces for them to wear and i think it's really nice to see um all the schools getting involved in um, stuff like that those sort of campaigns that can you know sort of move wider through the lacrosse community
1: yeah i i completely agree and i mean coming from a school community we we do things like this in school and i think it's important to always raise awareness of various other things outside of sport and using sport as a platform. You know, when we do have those team environments, people do work together a lot. It's really good to tie in other concepts and use it as a platform to share other amazing things that are going on and and things that players should support and be aware of. So. Uh, we we'll are looking forward to getting our rainbow laces mm-hmm. and getting on the
0: field hoping for some good weather hopefully it's a nice day and we can see some really good lacrosse because like you say that really is the sort of top level of sort of that girls lacrosse area you know you get some really high level competition in that area and it's a, a real nice thing to watch it's not you know it's not an average level it's a really high standard that i think is a real good thing for anybody to come and see and watch and be a part of and be involved in yeah
1: definitely and, uh, and i mean it, it's it's certainly something that, you know, younger players they if they don't have fixtures themselves should certainly be getting down to watch because you know I'm blown away sometimes when I see the level that we're playing in schools at the moment now. I mean we had a fixture recently with Guildford and it was a, such a phenomenal game and put it in a different setting and you would have thought they were university teams or higher. It was really you know it was really that good a standard and I think by us having more opportunities to put the girls in these professional environments and put them under decent pressure we are only raising the bar for England lacrosse and and for all the lacrosse in the UK so I, I think it's a great initiative and and something that we hope to be a part of every year but we'll just keep working towards that.
0: Amazing thanks Asha for uh, coming to talk to us Not and problem. good luck down in Aldershot next weekend.
1: Thank you we'll see
0: you there and to continue on from our chat about the Score challenge cup and the rainbow laces campaign by stonewall i'm pleased to say we're now here with erin walters williams who works at stonewall and is also an international lacrosse player represented wales over a number of years hi erin hello how are you thank you
2: very much for having
0: me no problem good thanks how are you yeah good
2: good excited to be here
0: Cool. So as I say, we we're just talking about uh, School Challenge Cup and that all the teams will be wearing rainbow laces on the day to support Stonewall's upcoming campaign. Do you want to just tell us what the sort of outline of the campaign is this year and what you're looking to achieve? This is
2: the seventh year of Rainbow Laces and this year we're really focusing on the idea that everyone um, can play your part. It's not just about allies um, or basically people who uh, do not identify as LGBT stepping up to help their peers. It's not about LGBT people having to take it all on um, their shoulders. It's sort of everyone um, can do something, Um, whether or not it's as simple as wearing rainbow laces or as big as changing policies um, or, you know, putting in gender neutral facilities. Everything and everyone can do something.
0: Would you say, you know, that traditionally sport's probably an area where probably traditionally in the past or maybe even now, you know, it's not been seen as a traditionally welcoming area for sort of LGB people, sort of to get involved in straight off?
2: Yeah, I think it really depends actually on the sport and on the on the level of play really. So we find that um, uh, four in ten LGBT people still don't think that sport is a welcoming place for us. And that's a that's almost half, it's a big, big number. However, what's really important to keep in mind is that LGBT people have been involved in sport for for years and really yeah. do love sport. So whereas there is a perception of you know potentially things like going out and watching a football match in the, on the terraces and hearing some of the chants, that absolutely needs to change around some of the homophobic, biphobic and transphobic language that's used there. But sport has been and will continue to be a safe space for LGBT people. But what's really important is that its it recognizes that it has that role and it serves that purpose what we find is, and some of our research has shown that sport, especially in schools um, and PE classes, is when a lot of people get turned away from, uh, LGBT people get turned away from sport because of the bullying,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and there's one of our students said in, in a piece of research that, you know, if you're bad at math, nobody bullies you or questions your sexual orientation if you're bad at math. Um, but if you're a boy and you can't kick a football, all of a sudden you're getting slurs thrown at you. And that is goes a long way in turning people away from it. What I've always loved about lacrosse is there is that sense of it's sort of separated from some of the maybe more traditional areas where you might find yeah. some of the... Um, the negative circumstances, So I'm not saying that it's perfect in lacrosse, yeah. um, but it is increasingly a, a very welcoming space for particularly lesbian, gay and bi people. Trans people, it's been, uh, it actually, it's more, um lacrosse has been really inclusive of trans people, um, but we can go a little bit further with that and we want to just make sure that people are really explicitly including trans people to make sure that they know that it is a
0: sport for for them too it's it's been a really hot topic in the sort of you know the wider sports media about the inclusion of trans people and Uh like you say that whilst you know certain athletes or commentators sort of are trying to think of their position and trying to think of their inclusion it's sort Uh of whether whether they've thought that they were doing it or not they've inherently made that space less less welcoming Uh for people to try and get involved in in the first place
2: yeah, absolutely. And trans people um, or cis people um, who are LGB have been participating in uh, in sport, in an elite sport, for for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, now it's a topic. That, you know, I think the thing is like um, trans people have been able to compete in the Olympics for you know forever, <laughs> but um, yeah. in in the guidelines um, for about twenty years, and no trans woman has won a gold medal. But all of a sudden, it's a hot topic, and people are just sort of chucking around. It's sort of become an excuse for people to sort of say some really um, toxic things. But, you know, we have trans people playing uh, lacrosse, we have, you know, we have non binary people playing lacrosse. And it's what I love about lacrosse is that it does provide for that area because it is so, I suppose what we would call the men's and the women's categories or the sort of full contact and part contact sports, yeah. they're yeah. so different. So if somebody had grown up playing um, one and then was switching over to the other, it is different. So it allows for um, yeah the space to basically grow um, and the space to grow without having to have a medical transition and, and mm-hmm. actually have that really nicely level playing field for, for everyone.
0: And what would you say that sort of, you know, individual teams or just people themselves can do to sort of make those spaces feel welcoming? Because, you know, whilst teams may, you know, they may not have someone who is LGBT or they may not think that they do, what can they do on a day to day basis just to make sure that that space is welcoming if somebody, you know, thought they wanted to come into it or wanted to, you know, make themselves, you know, known to their team? So I
2: was really fortunate that I had uh, teammates. Um, the first people I came out to were teammates when I was playing in the States, Um, and then I sort of had some personal issues and had to sort of almost re-come out, Um, Mm -hmm. and I came out to my Welsh teammates and then my university teammates as well. And I actually think what they did was was great, and I'll I'll use... uh, uh, these examples um first of all it's it's not throwing around anti anti-lgbt language so saying yeah. things like that's so gay um even if you don't think a gay person can hear it that pe- that person might not be out now, there's definitely been spaces when i've thought about saying something you know about or mentioning my wife and somebody said oh that's so gay," and it's like okay i'm not going to say that right now mm-hmm. so especially when you're younger and you're trying to or actually of any age, but especially if you're new to a club and you want to introduce yourself um, and introduce a a partner, if you're hearing this language and you're in a position of vulnerability already, you're not necessarily going to be, you know, you you actually are going to be really attuned to those little tiny things and you're gonna really notice it. So just a throwaway comment can have absolutely devastating effects. The other thing is um, we talk at Stonewall a lot about the big little things. So it's tiny little actions that we can take that will make a huge difference. So one of the things I found really great when when I first came out was teammates just asking me, you know, hey, how's the dating life? Or, you know, really casually, the same way they would ask anyone else. Or, you know, when my wife and I first got together, it was a... Oh my god, congratulations. This is wonderful. You know, just normalizing it and not treating it as something that they didn't want to talk about because of a perception that it was that they didn't feel comfortable. But I think that's really important is, if somebody ever comes out to you is, and this is as somebody who is LGBT or, or not, just check in with them and ask them and say, you know, hey, do you want me to tell people? Um, I remember when I came out to a teammate, she said to me, hey, don't worry, thank you for sharing, but I won't tell anybody. And I said, oh, no, please tell everybody. I'm tired of having this <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Um, but actually, that's not going to be the same for everyone. So just check in and yeah. say, hey, you know, are you out in this environment? Do you want me to tell people what you want not want to tell people? How can I help you? And the same way you would with any sort of lacrosse-related skill, it's check in with that teammate and see what they need to help them. I think be it's better, you know, be better, have a nice time. Yeah, because um, it will be different for everyone, um, and you know, we wouldn't want to sort of out anybody. Against their will, but yeah, just focus on those little little things, and and that they they really do go a long
0: way. Yeah, I think like you said, you know, it's all about asking questions. I mean, but doing it in a you know in a careful and considerate way, because some people might feel a bit uncomfortable having those conversations. Like, oh, I don't want to say anything that might come across wrong or have some sort of offence taken to it. But as long as you learn and take on board what the other person's saying to you it's kind of okay to ask those questions you know it's okay to try and have those discussions as long as the other person you know feels sort of comfortable with what you're asking them
2: yeah absolutely and i think it's really important to open open that dialogue with each person i'm very happy to have conversations with people and to help educate others aren't and google is your friend <laughs> if you, you know if somebody says oh i'm not really comfortable talking about that right now go go home and, and look it up do a bit of reading on it there's a good ally will you know do their own research but also engage you around your own personal levels of interest. Uh, it's also really important to keep in mind that LGBT is the umbrella acronym LGBTQ+ it's it, there's a lot of identities in there and even if people have the same identity in this regard, experiences are different so you know no two lesbian experiences are the same, no two bi experiences are the same. So it's about talking to that person and not really making assumptions around saying, oh, you know, I've got a gay friend and they like it this way, so my gay teammate must like <laughs> it that way too. It's it's yeah. it, it's very different. So so having op- yeah, as you say, opening up that dialogue in a kind way, in a non-intrusive way, and and taking the person's lead on on what they on what they'd like, but basically yeah, as you would treating everybody like an individual.
0: But uh, you know. <laughs> But I think it's really important, you know, for we look at sort of the LGBT community and sport can be a massive positive for your life. Quite often the sort of negatives get highlighted or sort of negative experiences. But for things like mental health or like this, having a group where you can come out and, you know, have really good conversations with people, sport can be an amazing place for you to be able to have that sort of group and community?
2: As I said before, I've been really fortunate. Um, the vast majority of my teammates have, um, over the years have been uh, straight allies. And I, I, there were times when I thought, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be the only one. but. They've never made it seem like that, and I think you know increasingly the importance of having visible out queer role models is really important. But if, if you're on a team and there's only one LGBT person, then that's mm-hmm. just how it is. So it's that also um, really importance of having visible straight allies who are standing up, sort of loud and proud, sort of coming out for, L- in, you know, in support of LGBT people. Mm-hmm. Um, And having them role modelling
0: that good behaviour is is super important as well. And that's, as I said, that's basically exactly what this sort of Rainbow Laces and the Come Out Active campaign is about. Is, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you think it's just wearing a pair of laces or it's just doing this, that could have such a huge difference on making people feel accepted within that environment
2: when i'm playing and when i'm coaching and i i see the laces on someone a complete stranger it makes me feel great um it always has it's it's a little signal of hey you know they've got my back and you know what's lacrosse all about what's sport all about it's having each other's back and kind of knowing that you're on the same page working towards the same you know same mission is is really important. Um, And yeah, the Rainbow Laces is a tiny little thing uh, to do, but it really, really does go a long way.
0: So if someone wants to find out a bit more about the Rainbow Laces campaign or about the work of Stonewall, Stonewall, where can they go to get their laces or where can they go to find out more information?
2: so our website has all this as a page uh, stonewallorguk uh, forward slash rainbow laces on that page you can find loads of information including basically links to audio laces top tips for inclusion in, in sport you can read some ideas about how to get involved and come out active which i'll talk a little bit about in a second and then read some personal experiences and some case studies of lgbt people and allies who have Really, sort of spoken about what the campaign means to them. Come Out Active is our fundraising campaign this year. It's brand new, and it's essentially a way where we found that, you know, with around, around Rainbow Laces, people have been running, you know, tournaments and Rainbow Lace tournaments for years. I know there were some lacrosse ones last year to raise funds, but this is a sort of a streamlined way for people to say, all right, well, we're going to run a, a Come Out Active session, and all proceeds will go to Stonewall, or we'll run a tournament. Or you know, every day for a week, I'm going to run to work. It could be as casual, it can be as competitive as you want it to be, and it's just a it's a fun way to sort of get communities together and then get a little bit of fundraising in gear so that we can put more um, and more resources into really tailoring and streamlining the education pieces behind
0: Timberlaces. I think this should be great. I think we're going to see loads and loads of members of the lacrosse community coming out to support this sort of thing. I think, you know, I think that's sort of something that we always do quite well as a community, sort of, you know, get behind campaigns and support people like this. So I think think it's going to be really great this year. And I think I'm sure you're very excited to see sort of uh, what people do, what, people uh, come up with this year
2: yeah absolutely um and you know you make a really good point i um I, i'm always really super proud when i speak to a lot of universities and you know the the, um, the sports club managers will always say oh you know look our lacrosse team was the first one um who signed up for this or our lacrosse team was the one who kept asking us for the rainbow laces or i'm getting emails from lacrosse captain and that's i mean it makes me super proud to be part of the lacrosse community but it's it's very clear that we are leading the way um actually in many ways um around around rainbow laces and around making sure that our clubs and our our environments and our teams are fully inclusive and yeah i I love that
0: amazing so remind me what are the dates of the campaign for this year
2: um, so the campaign dates are the 22nd of November through the 8th of December, with Rainbow Laces Week running from the 22nd of November through the 28th, and Rainbow Laces Day is Wednesday the 27th. So if you have fixtures on that day, box fixtures, or you know your office wear, um, get those laces on and shout about it on social media
0: amazing brilliant yeah thanks very much erin we hope to see everybody supporting the rainbow laces campaign over the next couple of weeks and raising awareness for the campaigns that stonewall do thanks once again to Asher and erin for featuring us this week's lacrosse talk guests we look forward to the school challenge cup this weekend which you can follow across all england across social media channels and thank you also to you for listening please subscribe to the lacrosse talk series tell your friends share across social media and let us know what you thought of episode two.